I still don't know how to turn that off. I don't know where it's, it even got turned on. It's fine. It Is doesn't it fine even though? come up anyway. Like in the normal sound audio, like, yeah, it doesn't come up. But hey, everybody, welcome to Moviecation. I'm your host, Cole. I'm Brady. I'm Joe, who finally figured out how to work a microphone. Hey! Yeah, let's, let's let Joe talk. Let's let the real Joe talk real quick. Let's hear that voice. Good evening. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I know it sounds so. This sounds so much better now because I, I like I would hear it back on the other ones. I'm like, ah, oh, it sounds so faint. <clears throat> but now it sounds good, and you can hear me really get mad at Cole when he makes a bad take, which should like be the very fact soon. that he said yeah. something about which not watching a horror movie anytime soon or something. Yeah, you're drinking over there. Me, I am drinking um, the dark side from uh, Bishop Cider Company. It is a black currant cider, and it's pretty good. I went to a, a like a fucking I don't know what the hell you would call this place. It's called Pont City Market. It's like a bougie Atlanta market. type place. Yeah, well, there's market. like a bunch of there's a bunch <laughs> of like restaurants and like bars and stuff. And like they have like a couple stores, but I went. When I say market, I think of like grocery store or some shit like that. Oh, well, there you're, prof- a- you're profiling markets, man. You can't be doing that in this day and age. <laughs> but there was this like there was this place we went to where uh, it was like a growler place. But the cool thing about this place is you can get a beer at any one of the restaurants and walk around the entire place nice. with your beer and drink it and stuff like that. And so my brother was with us and I didn't know what to get. So he's like, try this one. And I was like, all right. So I got like some like lactose sour ale or something like this. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was like some lemon vanilla thing. And like, it was mad decent. Not going to lie. That's pretty cool. So it's like a, like a market square, basically. Like you can... Yeah. 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 Okay. Cole, what do you got? Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, Fanta. Coca-Cola. Ew, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Showing that Georgia pride, man. Pepsi all the way. Gross. Mountain yes. Gross. And Pepsi's better than fucking battery acid over there. I have no idea. I, I don't understand how how Pepsi, you know, strives so hard and everything. But I feel like, yeah, Coke's like, well, I'm not going to fight it. I'm at the top already. I got this... Uh, I don't know. They say they make it in a basement, so that sounds appetizing. Anyway, uh, Pepsi <laughs> used to do like, oh, I got some Crystal Pepsi here. I got some Pepsi Blue out in the fridge, dude. I keep wanting to get it. This Crystal Pepsi so old that like it's just like it just moves now. It's like three old, three years old now. Drink it. Probably. Just buy a new one because they don't make it anymore. Drink it live it, on yes, air. They do. No, they don't. So there's this dude on YouTube named L.A. Beast. He got inspired by the guy on YouTube who pushed Coca-Cola to re-release Surge. Uh-huh. Like they did the whole campaign thing, right? Yeah, I have a can and of Surge. So Surge worked. So he's like, Crystal Pepsi was my favorite product. Let me see if I can do that. So he wrote a Crystal Pepsi rap. Um, and he just, he, he did some of the most stupidest shit ever. Like at one point he bought an old like 20 year old bottle of crystal pepsi off of ebay chugged it chugged a can of surge and then squirted colored milk like blue milk into his nose with like a tube mm-hmm. and then he painted a classic like crystal pepsi bottle and then 
vomited all over the painting sold it on actually sold it on ebay to show pepsi that he was serious about raising money to be able to bring crystal pepsi back i'm i'm pretty sure they still sell it though man like they they just no, no, no. so so what happened what no they just restarted selling crystal blue or uh pepsi blue oh, but okay. what happened was is he got he successfully got it to come back they put it out for like a summer they took it away he started campaigning again and they were like all right we'll, we'll release it for like one more year one more summer and then we'll not we won't do it anymore so like when that uh, okay. happened i bought a bunch and that's the last bottle i have of it I swear like i swear i just heard him talking about oh yeah we're you know we're, we're reselling it and stuff like that but it might have been the blue i was confused with but i remember when when the surge uh resurgence happened pun intended um my old roommate he bought a case of them and he gave me two cans and one can I, I have saved and I drank the other can. You can still find it. That uh Dollar Tree is the only what? place I've ever found it. What search? Yeah. Wow. Because I just apparently had, I just Burger had one King like, has it on tap. They they did. Ooh. They and they had a they had a like a berry version, but they, they don't have it as of like a few months ago. I know Quick Trip had it for a long time. Like I would buy it from Quick Trip, and now I haven't. It's only been recently that I haven't seen it. I just had one like two or three months ago from Dollar Tree, so it's still out there. You just gotta know where to look. Anyway, when I... did we turn it? When did we turn to a soda podcast? What the hell are we doing? So, for this week's episode, our entry into Brady watches the Brady enrolls into the MCU. We're gonna make it quick here. I watched The Incredible Hulk. And it was more like the Incredible Boar. I wanted to jump out of a window. Possibly one of the, like, honestly, not even just the fact that it's a Marvel movie or anything like that. Literally one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It was beyond boring. Like, it it felt like, like, the thing about Iron Man is, like, I know I dragged my feet on watching it. And then you guys finally were like, just watch it. And I did. And I actually, like, somewhat paid attention and enjoyed it. This felt like, like, honestly, the only way I could have paid more attention to this movie, geez, the, the only way I could have paid more attention to this movie was if someone clockwork orange my eyes open and like forced me to watch it. Other than that, it was literally like, but I do kind of like Edward Norton as the Hulk, a little, as Bruce Banner a little bit. Like, I do think he's a little, a little, 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 little bit, a little bit good. Not as good as Ruffalo, but that's because we've had five movies or something like that with Ruffalo as the character. Yes. So we've been able to get used to him as the Hulk slash mm -hmm. Bruce Banner, where we got Norton for like one. And like, I do know that he had like say in like casting and editing and stuff like that. So like some of the choices that you can ultimately say he made were not great. As I, but yeah, as I, I do enjoy Edward Norton as as an actor. He is a good actor, but I, I give it oh, for from. sure. Yeah, I get what you come from on that. And you can you can flow your arms all you want, uh, Cole. That doesn't it doesn't remove the fact that the Hulk is a terrible movie, and is barely a part of the MCU. It it's starting it, to be, it's starting to become more relevant. It they, really they brought kinda... they brought General Ross back. They're bringing back Abomination. It's it's relevant. So I can see you on both points. I can see where the irrelevancy comes from, and I can see where the relevancy comes from. Because obviously, you wouldn't even have Hulk in the Avengers in future movies if they didn't do the 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 after credit scene with Robert Downey Jr. 
But ultimately, here's why I kind of agree with it being irrelevant. And this could be like, I don't know, Disney shelling out a bunch of movie to buy all these studios, right? So they they they're giving money to Sony in order to give to get the rights to do the Peter Park the Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're co co create or co produced with Sony, but the fact that like Spider Man's able to jump out of Sony World and come into Disney World and stuff like that, and like look, they just opened that Disney campus, that Avengers campus, right, Cole? And yeah. Spider Man's like a big attraction there, isn't he? Yeah. So they're obviously shelling out money to sony for those rights because sony has like a weird deal with marvel and has had one for years so so, so my I point think is so, hold on. here's the thing i think sony only has the film rights to spider-man game park rights and all that that's that's not sony yeah but remember spider-man used to be a universal for a long time but he's okay okay so oh you fucked edu- up Brady. Ed- educational time you fucked all up, right Brady. So, Spider-Man's still at Universal, at least okay. over here in Florida. That the that's why Avengers Campus isn't Disneyland in California and not at Disney World in Florida, because Universal has the theme park rights to most Marvel characters this side of the country. That's why we're getting Guardians of the Galaxy at Disney World, because Universal doesn't have those rights. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So but my point is is like you know they're paying a pretty penny just to have Tom Holland jump between movies, right? And so... It, I feel like Sony's hanging off for dear life if, just if because Disney, of how well Disney's doing with, if, with, with Spider-Man. Yeah, if Disney's doing that, because I'm sure it's not cheap. I'm sure it's not a cheap buy at all to get him into those movies and whatnot. Why can't they nut up and pay X amount of dollars for that one movie from Universal. They don't need anything else, but they're not willing to do that, which makes me feel like they don't even see it as part of MCU. Like, yeah, it's canon and all that, but it's like the stepsister or whatever that you don't want to talk about. Kind yeah, of deal. But why would you want to? Why would you want to bring in the movie? You know, spend the money on it when it's not. It's not your actor. It's not the the person you've built a story on. You know, you've built a story on. You know, the Hulk with Mark Ruffalo. Why would you do, why, why would you backpedal like that? You know, now with like like with Iron Man and uh, and like Don Cheadle and Ter- Terrence Howard, like that's a different story because it's it's side character. You know what I mean? It's you know, it's, and it was all still on one studio. Yeah, that's it's still one studio, like Paramount yeah. or whatever. But like that's like oh, you know that's that's not a big deal because <laughs> but like you look at how big Brody's character became over time. Like it became more and more, you know, of a staple in the lineup. But why would you want to go backwards from when from what you have now with Mark Ruffalo's Hulk and then be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and go buy out Edward Norton's Hulk and uh, start including that in the story lineup when it's not the same person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I can see like why they would want to spend the money because it's like, what's the point? You know, we've already have we have a new establishment of it already. All right. Well, then in that case, give Mark Ruffalo his own movie. Doesn't have to be the origin story of Hulk anymore. You can do. Well, I, I, I kind of feel like he he got his own Hulk movie. versus Red Hulk, Hulk versus Gray Hulk, something like that. I feel like we it got can't can't be we Red got Hulk. the Hulk that's, movie with um. Shit. Sorry to cut you off, Joe. Can't be Red Hulk because that's General Ross. Gen- General Ross is Red Hulk. 
I feel like which, we get enough Hulk in, uh, in the last uh, in the last Thor movie. And yeah, I, I do remember a lot of people saying that like it was kind of almost a solo Hulk movie because it is just well, about it was Planet Hulk. Yeah, yeah. So we get. I feel like we get enough, you know, bit of a background because we know we know the backstory already with Hulk. You know, Ruffalo. You know, they they did a good they did a good job on keeping his character, you know, as Bruce. You know, given the background details and stuff like that, I think they, I think they did a really good job on that. And then with Ragnarok, yeah, it was like Planet Hulk, and I feel like it was you know we get enough screen time of him. And, you know, I mean, all he can do really is just destroy shit, which we've seen him do already. So, like, it was for me, it that was a good enough, you know, portion of it for him to, for them not to get his own movie. And we're gonna get more of him in She Hulk. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's all I gotta say about that movie. I we can move on to the bulk of our show though, because I feel like we're all really excited to talk about this one. Uh, real yeah. quickly though, Quiet Place Two is really good. Go check it out. That's all I gotta say. There, yeah, I do have I some see. quirms. I do have some issues with it, but I'm not going to get into it because I don't think Joe's seen it yet, and I don't want to spoil no, it. I, haven't seen, I, it. Ha- I <clears throat> haven't seen it either. So, my only oh. issues is I feel like okay, I'll spoil a little bit. I feel like the expansion that you're expecting on the movie, like universally wise, is very minimum to what you actually get. There's there's interesting concepts in it, but ultimately, in my opinion, the plot is pretty much the same movie. I, I don't expect much from it, um, but I am so. I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. Uh, but like you know, for me, uh, reading, you know, everything going into it, uh, you know, for me, like, A Quiet Place was a really good film, and you know, they they had a lot of success with it. But John Krasinski only wrote you know a story for that movie. Like he don't, he only expected it to be like a one off movie, and then they were like, hey this movie hit really well let's let's do more with it and so from there he was kind of like you know he wasn't fully invested in it but they still kind of kept him as like an advisor for it as they're like well we're gonna go ahead and continue and you know write part two and then they kind of just reeled him back in because they're like hey what do you think about this what do you think about that and he's like well that's very much kind of the same story almost of what happened with Halloween and Halloween Two, John Carpenter mm-hmm. um, was Halloween was supposed to be, first of all, it was supposed to be called the Babysitter Murders, and it was just supposed to take place on that one night of Halloween, mm-hmm. killing babysitters. You know, you, you get that plot, uh, but it was literally only supposed to be a one-off movie. And then he was like, "If I do make another one, it's going to be what you got in Halloween Three: Season of the Witch." Mm-hmm. But the studio was like, "Hey, Halloween did really, really good." Like. It was technically an independent movie at the time and it did like a lot of fucking money for an independent movie at the time mm-hmm. and so they were like halloween was really really good uh can you make a second one and he's like i don't want to make a second one like that's the thing i don't want to like yeah. can i do season of the witch and they're like no you need to make one with michael myers so the way john carpenter says it is the only reason he finished that script was because of multiple six packs of budweiser's <laughs> there's no way he would get through that script and like it, it shows it shows and yeah, yeah i feel like halloween 2018 was his time to like get in there and be like hey you remember the 80s when they made me because because it was a long time between because the first one came out in 78 and the second one came out in like 1980 or 81 i believe mm-hmm. so there was a pretty good gap there between movies 
mm-hmm. which is unheard of of a, of a horror film at the time because usually it's a year apart at most they're yeah like a year later the next one came out um so for it to be that long of a gap yeah i could see him struggling to write a sequel that he doesn't want to write yeah because now he's on he's under a time crunch and he's like oh hell on, i gotta figure this shit out i i will say i'm excited for halloween kills yeah it's coming out i'm i need to see some stuff for it first before i can say i'm excited but i'm i'm, I'm excited but i still want to see some like because i'm going through my facebook memories right now and this time like two years ago or whatever they were going to comic-con and showing off footage and stuff like that like this was when the trailer for halloween 2018 came out and i'm like pumped up for it i'm like yeah it's gonna happen again this year and like we haven't seen much out of it but anyway let's move on to uh we all watched the conjuring this year or this year this this weekend yes the conjuring three the devil the conjuring one i know i watched all three cole skipped two which is okay and i know joe watched all three i'll double back to two eventually because i've heard i've heard from many people that's the best one and it probably is based on what i've seen so far so uh let's just let's start with conjuring and then we can move on and go get to three and all that so conjuring one yeah we're just going to talk about all of them let's do it yeah we're conjuring just one came this. out in 2013 mm-hmm. which man it's uh, it feels like so long ago already yeah it's so long ago right um story of ed and lorraine warren helping the parent family in their haunted house you know you get the whole and like shit Hiding starts flat. going off mm-hmm, shit mm-hmm. oh God. honestly for a 2013 movie like that was super hype because i was like super into like the um what is known as like the instagram quote instagram horror community around that time um like most of my followers and shit like that and people i followed were all horror related accounts and stuff like that um and so like it was one of those movies that got like hyped up and I, most of the time I wouldn't even check those movies out because I was like, all these people are hyping this shit up. It can't be that good. And then I checked it out because it came out the same weekend as the Wolverine movie where he's in Japan. Oh, God. So I saw <laughs> I saw both we don't of talk about that movie. <laughs> I saw both of those in one night. I went to go see Wolverine went back home for about a couple hours and then came back and watched the conjuring at 10 PM worst decision of my life. Cause I didn't sleep for three days, but you know, it was a good movie. I didn't think it was that scary to be honest with you. The first conjuring. Yeah. I didn't think it was that scary. It had its moments, but I didn't really, I got to the end of it. I'm like, well, that was good. I wouldn't really call it scary. I expected that movie to terrify you Cole. Aside from the one he, he part said, where he, he said it wasn't that scary yet, we got receipts showing. Oh my god! Hang on, did you watch well, it alone? Yeah, I did. Did you watch it with the lights on? No, I had the lights off. Mm. The only so mm. the when the creature showed up, that was when I kind of jumped a little bit, and I had. I bet, a you, few, I bet you were on your phone half the time, so you weren't even looking at the screen. I had a few what the fuck moments, but uh-huh, uh-huh. I did. No, I I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I love Ed and Lorraine. I love the, you know, I know they're based on real people, but I love the characters in these movies. So that's why I'm excited. Patrick, yeah, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have like great chemistry on screen. They're, they're so good on screen together. So good. 
but that's why I'm excited to double back and watch too, so I can see more of them. And are they in the spinoffs at all, or no? Uh, one of them, just uh, two of them. Two of them actually. Well, okay. and Annabelle comes home because it's it's in their home, which was was probably I'm, the that's probably the best spinoff. That's probably the best. I'm not, wa- I'm not I'm watching any of Annabelle's. Sure, I'm 99% sure they were in the nun. I don't remember, but that's my I least think, favorite one. I saw so. the. I'm pretty sure I saw the. I know I saw the nun in theaters, but I'm pretty sure there's a scene where you see Lily Perrin meeting that scene where she meets some. It might be at time. the end when they. Yeah, it's like at the very end. Okay, maybe that's. But I, I need to go back and watch the nun because I'll, I'll talk about that later. I'll talk about that later. Wait, so um, the the Perrin family is in the nun. For like two seconds, like yeah, right at the end, just to okay. kind of like tie tie it all back around. Because I noticed in this one, in the uh, the devil maybe do it at the beginning, there was like a uh, Lorraine had like a vase of flowers. She's like, oh, the parents just sent these. Yeah, which I, was I thought like, was a, I thought that was a nice nod. Yeah, I liked yeah. that. There's um, some really good like references. That's the one thing I do like about this movie, the the whole series itself, is they're really good about a making really good classic references but also be referencing themselves in a not like scream kind of way where it's like a little bit cheeky almost. Yeah. And like, I guess you kind of have to, I mean, because they live in a house with all the shit from the other movies. Like it's kind of hard not to make a nod back to it. You know what I mean? Like it's all all in the basement. It's right there. I'll get, I'll get to the, the one of, one of my favorite moments of three when we get to it. But speaking of like the shit that's like in their house, that little room, uh, I don't know how much Cole knows and I don't know how much our audience knows. I'm sure Joe knows this, but in real life, that is not actually attached to their house like they show in the movie. It's mm-hmm. like a shed almost in their it's backyard. A, it's, a separate, it's a separate thing like in the backyard. And okay, cool. It's But they much, do really get it like blessed by priest every month and all that just to... Yeah, and it's well, much more Well, I don't know anymore because they're both dead. It's much more cluttered than what the movie shows. In the Like in the movie, it's... It's that's that's it's like the G version of it, but like if you if you want you can watch videos online of um, of other no, paranormal I'm investigators. Not going to. You you can see other paranormal investigators go in there because um, a priest would give them a tour of the place, and it's jam packed. It's like you're walking into like a like a resale shop, like just full of shit, and they're like. Please. And the Annabelle dolls in there. The Annabelle doll is there. And exactly like, like what no, you see her in no, the movie, no, though. No, no, but it's exactly like what you see her in the movie. She's behind the glass case, and the glass case is literally nailed shut yeah. with a cross hanging over but it, it and everything. It's, it's the raggedy she, Ann she doll. Can, she can it's keep the grass in that cage. Keep grass in the case. <laughs> but it's it's not that creepy doll, though, Cole. It's it's a raggedy Ann Yeah, have you ever seen a raggedy Ann doll? Because that's, that's the I, 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 creepy. I th- yeah, I think I have seen pictures of the real Annabelle. Yeah. 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 It's not as creepy as the, yeah. as the doll in the movie. But it's there's a, something in that room. There's something in that room. The damn samurai costume. I don't care if they make any more Conjuring movies that make any sense whatsoever. Just give me one of Ed and Lorraine doing whatever they had to do to get that samurai costume. That's when, all I wanted to know. When they knocked down that 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 uh, mannequin that housed all the samurai armor, when they knock it down and Annabelle comes home and you can hear the screaming and crying in Japanese from when they're looking inside that helmet, I was like, oh, like that was terrifying. Oh, well, not terrifying, but I was like, it was, it was creepy. And I was like, oh shit. Like you can hear the, like the horror behind that, that one piece. And I was like, finally, cause that's one thing that sticks out in the room. Very, very largely in the films that you see all the time is a samurai 
Can't wait for the oh, Warrens meet Scooby Doo and the Black Knight. Anyway, um, so let me give my take on the first Conjuring. Like I was saying, Cole, <laughs> I'm surprised this movie didn't terrify you because it really. This I mean, movie I, creeped me out, like when I first watch it, and I, when I when I think about it, so it, it gives me chills just because of how how accurate they are when it comes to paranormal activity, like everything that they do to set everything up, and they do a good job of explaining it as well. Like because I feel like they're they wanted to go the route, like, hey, this is you know a it's a paranormal movie, yes, but we want to kind of give the audience a little more background because they might not know the things we're doing. Because like, if you're watching other movies, they don't always explain that to you, like what they're doing, you know, in these places. And they do give you a very realistic, like, take on it. And that's coming, yes, that's and not that's coming from really like enjoyed. me just saying that. That's coming from me, like years of watching Ghost Hunters, where like these guys are serious about their job and yes, everything that they do. They, they so they come from seriously. this, yeah. And so it's very, it's a very realistic take on what it's like to investigate paranormal shit. But going into this, I wasn't, I don't think I was as hyped as, as I got until afterwards about the movie, because prior to this, uh, like the last thing I saw from James Wan from between, before there was Insidious. And I wasn't too fond of Insidious. Like it's, a, it, as I watched them again later on, I grew to appreciate it more, but I was just, I like, it was a weird horror to me. So after Insidious, I was kind of like, eh, you know, we'll see. But I, after watching the first Conjuring, I like I said, I really enjoy it because of the the accuracy they they laid into it with the paranormal setup of everything and what they're doing and why they're doing it, um, and just the the demon, you know, Bathsheba when you could hear the rope, the the crick of the rope as she's hanging. And oh, like that—that's what terrifies me. It's just that—that that did get the creak me. of the rope, God. and uh, and how well they do about with they'll they'll play like climatic creepy music and then they cut it hard, and just the the pressure from the silence that builds very quickly and like just it's, the atmosphere. That, um, yeah, and like because they cut the music and it just like it sucks all the like all the feeling out of the atmosphere because all of a sudden you feel kind of you feel the pressure on you and it's like, what the, what the fuck just happened? And then the reaction, but like, I, I really enjoy the, the first conjuring. Like I said, the, the story of Bathsheba, I was like, this is really good. The, the scenes in the, in the basement when they're, when they have her tied up and they're trying to perform the exorcism on her and they throw the sheet on her and then it gets quiet. And then the chair just starts levitating. I was just and like, the sheet, the sheet just starts the sheets covered in blood because she vomited all the blood. And the sheet then, starts like, ripping. You can like, the sheet starts ripping. You can see her. You can see Bathsheba's face. I was like, god. oh my god! I was like, this this is fucking great. Like this is a great great horror movie, and it was refreshing because it's it's a little different. And like I said, because of all the the accuracy they had with everything, I really enjoyed it. Cold. So other than not being too scared, Cold, what else do you think about it? Um, I just really liked the atmosphere and everything of it. Like I. Just that, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's the real Ed Warren right there. And that's the real. And that's Patrick Wilson with the real Annabelle. So why did, what made them decide to make, to turn Annabelle from a Raggedy Ann doll to. Because like legit. Look at, because there you go. Here's a good comparison. Look at that. Does that look creepy to you? Yeah, because Uh, Yes. Yes. Like, do do you expect them to. 
to bank like oh yeah annabelle's a terrifying demon like no you know you can't trust her do you expect them to get that accomplished with a raggedy ann doll now Actually, if it was a yes, furby I, I would fully believe that. i was just about to mention furbies <laughs> but Dude, like you know the, and the opening in the, in the first conjuring with you know the the back the backstory on annabelle oh like that was really good you know it it's these nurses who took pity on a doll or who took pity on a spirit who was a little girl. And they're like, we, you know, we work in the ER. We see little children get hurt. You know, we felt bad. That's why we invited her in. And the Warrens are like, you fucked up. You fucked up and you fucked up bad. You know, from letting this doll, you know, enter their homes. This is that's... crazy. Man. Yeah, Annabelle is probably the scariest part of the movie to me. <laughs> this is just some of the shit that's in their yeah, house. Yeah, some of the artifacts, stuff like that. Of course they have a fucking ouija board i'll try to find the video that i've seen cole and i'll, I'll, I'll send it to the group to, to show you like what the what the place looks like and how like just packed in there it is why do they yeah. have a ouija board well, well i mean I guess that have makes you ever sense. fucked with the ouija board that, no that makes sense good mind. it could have been a, a board that somebody used to and that was like the that was the entryway so they probably took that away from them you know what i mean yeah all right so you want to talk about two a little bit there, Brady? So, <sighs> tell me about the crooked man. I want to hear about this guy. It's like some okay, old. So uh... He was a crooked man. He walked a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence on the crooked style. Yeah. What the hell does that mean in English? It's, old, Joe. it's a fucking nursery rhyme, bro. In English, took... Joe. It is in English. It was an English nursery rhyme. Yeah, it's an uh, old English nursery rhyme, and they decided to make it some Tim Burton reject-looking character. Yeah, so the Crooked Man... Oh, comes, is that the one I've seen? Yeah, okay, I think I've seen pictures of him. The Crooked Man is a it's a little, like, light-up toy. You know those little crank toys that has, like, a... It's like a... Like a, like a jack-in-a-box? Kind of like a jack-in-a-box, but it's like, it's like a lamp, and it has, like, a shade over it, and it's on a little motor. So as you crank it, it spins, and it creates, like, a little movie inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the the toys call it the Crooked Man, and one of the little boys in the movie, his name is Billy. He has a speech impediment, so his sister um, uses a toy to try to help <laughs> him to try to help him speak uh, without the stutter. So they they crank they crank it. The little machine starts to play, and they're singing along to it. And he's he's trying to get through it without stuttering, and that's like his that's the toy he uses to to try to learn how to to correct his speech impediment. But it becomes a not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I would. It's not a demon itself, but they they bring it's just it to an life. Kind of yeah, deal. It's an, they bring it to life to to terrify the family. But it ends up being the little girl Janet, um, who um, who is possessed by uh, who's getting possessed by the demon. But oh. Uh, oh, Brady, you know, go ahead, give your take, Brady. Give your take while I find the the lines that Janet says for the crooked man part. Fucking okay. First of all, that entire movie, just so you know, was complete. Like the story was not real at all, both on the Warren side and the actual like haunting side. On the haunting side, it was found, and they show this in the movie that Janet, the girl who's supposedly possessed, um, was bending spoons behind cameras. And then putting them out there and like sticking knives into the kitchen counter saying, oh, it's the demon doing this. And they caught her on camera doing it. Um, the, the 
Bill character. I think Bill Withers is made up, but it's based off of, like what supposedly happened there. Uh, she would do his voice or whatever, but like they would ask her questions and she would change the subject, which is something that Janet herself was known to do as Janet. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, Janet, you just you you just dumb. You 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 dumb, stupid kid. And then first, and then the Warrens actually showed up to the house because it was right after Amityville and everyone kind of knew their name and were asked not even to step foot in the house and to leave. So the fact that like they sat there for two hours, because this movie's two hours and 13 minutes and we're like, yeah, we're the wards and we're here to help you. Didn't actually happen. And it was literally just a vessel to make the nun spit off. That's all it was. And yeah. the and the Crooked Man spinoff, which is apparently happening. Yeah, that's, that's, that's been in the works for a while now, and it should have been out already, but the, it hasn't come out yet. And they're also doing like a Nun sequel. I heard that. Which, I'm not too sure, but I'll talk about that later because I don't really care. Well, I I need to rewatch the uh, the Nun because I wasn't happy with the Nun at all, man. But no, I just like two. There's. I will say two is smart because two does introduce you know one one doesn't have skepticism at all one is face value oh shit house is haunted we're inviting the warrens into our house mm -hmm. we become friends with them they save our lives yada 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 the end two introduces the fact that like maybe some of these stories aren't real that people are talking about and like honestly it's smart in the way that they introduce the skepticisms on both a the warrens themselves are like why are you even here like people just know your name but what do you actually do and then to show the skepticism of like the claims that janet and her family are making because it was kind of it was a real thing where the mom was trying to get better housing for the family and this was kind of one of the ways she was going to go about it um but one of my one of the things that i think is really smart about it that kind of introduced that goes really well with like the theme of the movie which is again skepticism in the paranormal is the fact that like they start the movie out with amityville because amityville is one of the most highly publicized hauntings in america in my opinion and it it, it's to this day it's still talked about yeah, because people don't it's, know if it's real. It's people the pinnacle of like, not real. Of, like haunting stuff like that. Yeah. yeah like um, there's people that live in that house today, 112 Ocean Avenue, that are like, yeah, ain't shit happening here, bro. Like, and it's been like that since the Lutzes moved out. And then there's been like um, documentaries, several documentaries and stuff to come out, and even like documents to come out to say, hey, the the Lutzes like moved out of that house, and then immediately started meeting with lawyers and book producers to write a book. So we're not entirely sure if what happened there, and like some of it, yes, I can't believe because I think it's a weird fucking thing that like a year before you move into that house, some dude murders his whole family. And then you decide to move into that house completely furnished with murder furniture. Cause they didn't clear the beds or anything. They slept in the beds that the family was murdered and stuff Jesus. like that. So, like, you think and I totally fine? believe, yeah. and I totally believe in ghosts and shit like that. Like I will put that out there. So there, a spirit could be attached to those stuff. Like, like, yeah. But when you get to the part where like, uh, George Lutz is like, yeah, Slimer came into my house and like there's green ooze everywhere. Like that's where you're just like, eh, 
come on, bro. Like Green Ooze, like this ain't Ghostbusters. Yeah, like that's a bit come of a on. stretch. Um, well, what I like about part two is, like you said, the skepticism because there was no, it's not a true event essentially because you know they found out it was kind of fake, you know. But they're, I feel like that's what helps this movie be good because they're like, you know what, you know, what if this was, you know, the take? Because if like as you look at it compared to the first movie. The first movie's kind of slow and they they built the storyline out and it's it's like it has like a classic you know horror movie to it but it's it's, it's a good film but you look at part two and it kind of it kind of takes off right away like you're getting hauntings you know you're getting paranormal stuff happening right away you know you're getting the you know the little cart turning off and on you're getting the weird noises uh well the the part that really gets me laughing is when you know the the family gets creeped out and they go across the street to the, to their neighbor. They're like, Hey, there's some, there's somebody in the house. There's something going on in the house. Someone's in there. The girl saw a man in their room. So they call the police and the police show up and they're checking the place out. And they're like, there's no one here. There's nothing here. And they hear something in the walls. And they're like, they're like it, let's go. They're like, it must be the pipes. Give me a chair. Let me, let me, let me check out this. Let me check this out. And then they like, when they're done with the chair, they're like, I don't think there's anything going on here. And then the chair just pushes itself down the hallway back into the table. And then they do the most English thing and they go out. Like It just pants them walking very fast outside the police. And they're like, well, there's nothing we can do here. I'm so sorry about that. I'm going to go ahead and go. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, thought, this shit I thought that was, was great. I thought that there's was also the, another really smart scene in that movie, though, was the interview between ed and janet yeah and that's that that was my next part like and that's why like even though this movie is just you know they made it up you know using what information they had that's what i like about this movie because they're they're just using the ideas of you know from the skepticism and everything it's like it's like a dream they're just kind of saying hey you know this is what we you know we think might have happened you know this are just you know our takes of things of that and the interview between ed and the little girl janet and he tells her you have to drink some of the water hold the water in your mouth so we know you're not lying no you know it's you talking or it's it's the spirit talking and she tells him that the spirit won't talk to them if they're all looking at her so they turn around and the, the camera is which the dude immediately goes well you did it fine without us with yeah us he, he points earlier. that out like it, you know it's fine earlier why does it have to be different now and it gives me chills thinking about that scene because it, you know, I like rewatching it. It gave me chills. But so we have the camera now focused on on Ed, and the background behind him is a little bit blurry, but you can see Janet's. You know, you can still see it's Janet sitting in the chair, and the, and the corner is a little dark. But over time, you see she's like the morphing. silhouette is morphing, and it's becoming an older man sitting in the sitting in the chair. And you can like see his head moving as he's talking. And I was like, oh, like it, it creased me out because it's, you know, you haven't seen, like, I haven't seen anything like that before in a movie. So that's what kind of kind of creeped me out. But I was like, that, to me, that's a really good scene as well. Yeah, for sure. So, but like, I like. But you got to oh, admit, it, it, you got to admit, ultimately, it was just for them to introduce the nuns so they could get that spinoff going. Yes, it, because it, it, it is. And I, like, the only reason I say that, the only like if they waited to show the nun until the very end of the movie, like and had her do like the the whatever of snakes at the end, uh -huh. 
Like if they waited to do that, yeah, I wouldn't say that. But it's the fact that they included her into the Amityville part. Like, oh, she's the reason Amityville happened. Makes me go, you know. But you got to admit the scenes with with the nun are terrifying. One one other scene that I personally geeked out about. Um, how much do you guys know about the Amityville case? Like afterwards, like after the Lutz has moved mm. out. So Not there's much. this That's famous different. there's this famous photo from the house where it's a bunch of paranormal investigators and someone takes a picture of one of the boys' rooms. And um, here, let me pull it up actually while I'm talking. And so they show they took this picture, right? Hold on, let me uh Amity, Amityville house little boy picture. So they were investigating. This was after, this was during one of the paranormal investigations and all that. And they were like, hey, uh, oh, what the yes, is this? yes, yes, yeah, yeah, that photo. What? Yeah, they yeah. show that in the so movie. So this is a photo. So they actually have a scene in the movie, like right at the beginning, where a little boy kind of peers out of the wall like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they did the photo. But yeah, this this picture will haunt me for life. But yeah, that's that's supposed to be John DeFeo right there, one of the yeah. kids that got killed. But like, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they ruined it with the nun. Well, elaborate on how they tie the nun to it. Because they had her in like the basement controlling the children and shit like that. So they, from my point of view, okay, okay, yeah, that's right. That's from right. my point of view, it made it seem like she was controlling the ghosts to do, or the spirits, I should say, to do the hauntings in the in the Amityville house. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I, I can kind of see where you're going with that. Um. Now. Before this, before this, one's a lot. This is your first time seeing The Conjuring, too, right? Yeah. Okay. If you go back and rewatch it, because you know I I watched this movie multiple times, and I you know we watch you know video like YouTube videos on on the on the Warrens and stuff like that. If you go back, I don't know if you noticed it, but before they introduce Valak, like before we first see her, if you on look the bookcase, it says Valak on the bookcase. Yeah. It, the the letters are there. It says V A L I K. When they're having breakfast, it's on the wall. There's a little heart, like a, like a little, I guess like a little craft, like something made of clay. But it's it's it, there's a there's a heart on the wall, and it says love, but the L is is capitalized. Nothing else on the on the little thing is capitalized. Just the L, and beneath it it says V, A, A K. So like it's in the nook area, it's on the bookcase. You don't realize it, but they they're telling you the name without without knowing the name yet until it gets to the end of the movie. But um, I was like, oh, so as I, as I rewatched the movie again, I, I see those I see those things kind of pointed out. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool, you know, the little nods here and there. But for me, like them introducing Valak was was really cool because she terrified the fuck out of me. You know, Alec is the nun, right? Yeah, Valak okay. is the nun. Okay. And the fact that they show it like in her house, I'm like the nuts on this spirit to you know to walk around the Warren house like, hey, mom, who's I'm, that? What's up? I'm boy? gonna spook you in your own house. 
but you know like and like i will say the the part where she's like in ed's office or something like that yes and like she grabs the picture frame and runs that was a little silly let's let's be but it's cool it was a cool scene like it it scared the crap out of me like when i first saw it i was like oh god but it was i thought that was a cool scene because you get to see the the painting of the house of the parent house on the easel still with the tree and everything and then you see the shadow move across the the walls i was like that's fucking neat to me that was really cool that was creepy but then they ruined it with the fucking the fact that she actually like grabbed it and run that was i thought that was neat like come at me like that and i'll, I'll fucking drop kick that painting and run screaming <laughs> it just reminded me of like uh for whatever reason it reminded me of like scary movie three when like the ring girl came out of the tv and brenda oh, tried God. to fight her like that's just kind of what it felt like uh we ready to talk about three though yeah i'd say so yeah because cole hasn't seen part two so yeah let's go who wants to start go ahead cole all right so i just want to say i really like this movie probably not as much as the first one but the opening of this movie good god i was freaking like jump i was like bouncing off the walls the opening of this movie was fantastic like did the whole exorcism and all that stuff had had me really excited for the rest of this movie and it never quite hit that high again but i still i still enjoyed the rest of it i liked the um you know i i liked when they're talking to the the lawyer or attorney or whoever it was and they're like oh come by the house we'll show you what we got but we never I, I want I really wanted that scene. I wanted her to meet Annabelle. That never happened. I was like, oh you don't do you don't need it because of the reaction that she had the next scene where she's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Because she's like, okay, yeah, like whatever. Like she goes from like okay. And then when she's in the when she's in the courtroom, she's just like Patrick Wilson like, played that like scene so well. Come by the house, meet Annabelle. Shit. Like Yeah. And they're just like we told you. It just makes me we like, I just want like a cutaway scene. Like it doesn't even have to be real. It could be like some fake ass actors. Just like a cutaway scene of like them walking to the house and them just unlocking Annabelle and she's going. Ah! I, I thought that scene was great. I thought that like, because, you know, they, they basically, you know, they shook a skeptic down to their core. It's like, this shit, right. this shit is real. <laughs> Come so, see Annabelle. <laughs> Come, Come see Annabelle. <laughs> Come hang out. It's like, like Annabelle's some, how, like, nice little girl that he's... <laughs> just how ca- it's the fact that he was so casual about it. It's, oh, yeah, it's come like, by the house. Come see It's Annabelle. like they, they took her down to the room, and then she's in the cage. She's like, okay, yeah, she's in this in the in the glass case. Oh, yeah, there's Annabelle. Let's come have dinner. Next thing you know, Annabelle's sitting next to her. She's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, Annabelle, go back to the room now. She gets it. She gets it. All right. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Your little, little doll hand just come up and... Yo, uh, so go back to the beginning of the movie. Um, two things I want to point out. What I said earlier, when I said they make a really good effort of referencing older movies and themselves. Uh, Joe, you got you to gotta tell me because I don't know. I'm pretty sure Cole hasn't seen it. But that scene when the priest shows up for the exorcist. Oh, yeah. That was such a good moment, right? I was like, I was him like, standing oh. there, like looking at the house. You're like, there's, there's the poster. I was like, that, I was like, bravo, exorcism, right there. I was like, that is very good stuff. And it was also, there was also a psycho reference in that scene too, with the shower. Yes, 
Yes, that's what I it reminds me. I figured that was a reference to Psycho. Yeah. So uh, the ones I the ones I picked up on were obviously The Exorcist because that one was super obvious. The Psycho one with in the shower. To go back to Conjuring Two, another Exorcist reference is when their beds are shaking because yes. that happened. to... Uh, um, I can't even think of the character's name right now, but that happened to her bed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the waterbed scene with the little boy where they're explaining the, the start of the possession mm-hmm. is a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Huh. Um, when Patrick Wilson gets the dust shot into his eyes and like becomes possessed mm-hmm. and he's like lunging the sledgehammer around. That felt very much like The Shining. That was on purpose. Yeah. He and purposely I was like, threw it in there. I, I was like, I was like, oh, this gives me so I was watching with a I was watching with a friend last night and we were texting each other as we were watching it. And I go, This has mad shining vibes, doesn't she? goes, Yeah, I was thinking the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, I was thinking the same. I was but like I was like, Oh, I'm so happy with it. like I'm totally cool with that. Like there's little nods here and there. And this part for me is not a direct reference, but if it happens to become a reference, like if like whoever directed and wrote this movie or whatever happens to listen to this episode and like reaches out to us goes yeah you got it i want to say this the scene where they're at um where ed and lorraine go to it was right after they meet with the cop they go to the morgue okay uh-huh. and they go up to the door and it's locked and lorraine's like all right we'll just come back later and ed just like and breaks in and like says something funny and like that's how they do it right Mm -hmm. there's a scene in halloween 2 the original halloween 2 where loomis is trying to convince a cop to turn around because he's got a trace on michael myers and he's go back and do his thing Uh and the cop's like i got orders from the governor to take you out of here and he's like and this is halloween 2 is kind of the start of where dr loomis becomes crazier and crazier by like Mm -hmm. four and five he's just bad shit nuts but halloween 2 is the start of him becoming crazy and there's in the scene he goes what is it you fellas usually do fire a warning shot and pulls out a gun and shoots it out the window (laughs) and i was like that kind of gave me like that same type of vibe right there it's like what do we do we're in now (laughs) It, it it gave me a vibe and I only say it because I just watched it earlier this week. But I watched uh, Jurassic Park 3 at work just to have background noise. And there's a scene when they're in one of the compounds and uh, they found like a vending machine. And the guy's like, does anybody have a quarter? I only have like like 10 cents. And he's like counting his change. So I put it in the machine and then Billy just kicks in the glass and like grabs <laughs> the snacks. And he's like, he sees him do it. And then he tries to kick in the glass on the vending machine and he doesn't do it. It just hurts his leg. That's the vibe I was getting from him. And I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> For me, that was what it reminded me of. So yeah, Cole, going back to your thoughts. Um, Yeah. What else so, you got to say? Yeah, so, you know, after the opening and all that, I, I, thought, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I, did, uh, I didn't really, the main, like... I don't know what you want to call. It. I guess the main monster or haunt or whatever you want to call it didn't. Woman? What? Yeah. Satanist. The Satanist. Satan. The Satanist. Yeah. That didn't really do it for me. Like the. Uh, what 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 was the name of the one in the first movie, Joe? The. Uh, Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Yeah, I liked Bathsheba better than the Satanist in this one, but. Well, Bathsheba was she wasn't a real person at this point in the movie. She was she was a spirit. Well, in yeah. This, in this movie, it's it's a real person that you're dealing with, and you're but, you know honest, and I, you know, and 
I'll talk about it a little bit now. Like, you're not supposed to. Yeah, I want you guys a... to talk because I got some really good thoughts here. On all you're this. not. You're not supposed to have a lot of information on a Satanist, and that's for a reason because these people don't want to be known who they are because they don't need that information to be out there. Because look what happened when she found out who Ed and Lorraine were. Yep. You know, people who who you know go down that path and get that deep into you know satanism and stuff like that they make it very hard to to find themselves to find them because if if they piss off the wrong person you know and they don't know it things like that can happen to them so you know they're 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 meant to be you know very mysterious you know not very well known one thing i'll add did anyone else totally call that the priest was involved somehow i had a vibe I had a vibe. Early I, on. I also got a vibe. When, and when only went, because, like, when, when they went to meet him, they're like, "Oh yeah, there's this retired priest." I'm like, "Okay, well, where are we going like, with this?" If you look at other movies, and it tends to kind of be the way, like in general, like when you when you have when you get a fascination on something that you're supposed to be against, one way or another, it becomes kind of like a different, like it, it flips over, kind of like a. Did you ever see the right with Anthony Hopkins, where he's an exorcist? No. He's an exorcist. He he becomes kind of like obsessed with the idea of doing exorcisms, and he like, like he just he does it, like that's his thing. That's what he does, and he's training this this younger uh, priest to kind of take over for him. Like he just he's just he's so in like, he's so, just hyper focused on his job and so into the occult. He ends up becoming possessed, but like he kind of has like a control on it. It's a really good, pretty good movie. Like if, I mean Anthony Hopkins is always does a good job whenever he's in something. But that's what it kind of reminded me of because, you know, with with these things, it becomes kind of taboo. And eventually, like 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 the priest said, like what what becomes kind of like something you're supposed to, to learn to ward off can kind of become a, an obsession for other people. And it just, it became a fascination for his daughter. And I was like, that's, you know, that's how it happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that happen, you know, and with everyday things. But I... I, I thought that's what I liked about that that part of the movie. But um, did you have any other takes, Cole? Before I kind of start speeding onto it. Uh, no, that that's really it. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I'd probably give it an eight out of ten. All right. Um, for me, like you said, I I agree with the opening sequence. I thought the opening sequence was great. Like it, I felt like it. It portrayed an exorcism very well, from what you know we've seen in movies and from what I've seen and heard and. And audio tapes and stuff like that online. Uh, what creeped me out was like the when the the demon started cracking the bones of the boy when it started like you know contorting its body and bending it backwards and then when it bent backwards and then like put his head you know through his arm and like laughed at his sister's face. I was like, geez, man. Like what got just... what got me is when Ed was like you know had it on had the boy on his shoulder and he's. His hand's not even touching the wall. Yes, he's, he's not even touching the walls. And you can, you can see all these scratches on the walls already. Yeah. You know, throughout the house. The house is already damaged before they even he's, got to this point. scratching it to hell. Not even yeah. touching the wall. I'm just like, this is amazing. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And uh, like Brady said, the nod to the to the scene of the exorcism. Oh, sorry, the scene of the exorcist, you know, with the, with the priest showing up at the corner late at night. And it looks at the house. I was like, that's really cool, man. I thought that was a nice nod. I was one, uh, so that was a nod to the exorcist. Yeah, because if you look, okay. 
you can pull up like the poster, like the movie poster for The Exorcist. That's the same concept. Like I, th- I thought I recognized that. Yeah, okay, it's the same. Cool. It's the same concept. Um, what I really liked throughout the movie was the music. Like they used the music from the '80s. You know, you hear, uh, you hear "Call Me," which I thought was a you know a nice you know cool nod. Yeah, but, but uh, when meth head hippie creepy uh, fucking demon guy sang it, I fucking oh, that up for me for life. That was that was and that was so cool for me. Like I the scene in the prison. Uh, but I'll get to that in a minute. Like, um, yeah, the opening sequence is great. Um, and the fact that Arnie, you know, was able to take the demon from the little boy just to save him. And then we get into the the incident where, you know, Arnie murders his uh, his landlord, essentially. And uh, they're listening to like, the loud 80s music. I forget what song it was, but uh, like they're listening to the music and He's freaking out inside the inside the kennel house and everything. And he's walking down the street covered in blood. And he doesn't like he's still in like possession. And the cop pulls up and he's like, hey, are you know, are you okay? Are you okay? And then he finally snaps out of it and he's like, Oh, I, I hurt somebody. I thought that was a cool scene too. Cause that that reminded me of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the ones from the the two thousands when the the girl's walking down the the highway barefoot and she's like she's bloody and everything and the van pulls over and they pick her up and you know she looks like a you know she, like just she looks like shit because everything just happened to her that that's what the vibe they gave me off of that one so I, I like that um but the movie to me was like like yeah it's not as terrifying as the first one to me but i felt like it was done really well because we're i expected to be this is what I expected the movie to be because they're focusing on the court case of, of the side of it. And they're trying to, to figure things out as, you know, they're not going to be able to, to see as much, you know, tariff, you know, spooky stuff because we're focusing more on the case side of it, which I thought was really cool. And it was, I wish we got more of the actual like court case. Of the court part of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, that's what I was kind of hoping too. Like I was hoping we see more of that, but I, I liked it this way because I felt like they couldn't go back to the same formula. Like you can't just give me they're in a house, there's paranormal activity. I feel like they needed to refresh it. And I thought this is a good way to refresh things. Um, the, the ex pastor that they're working with and his obsession with the, all the occult stuff and everything and uh, what they call the disciples of the Ram and everything. I thought that was really cool. Uh, he was able to help him out and stuff like that, but I, I enjoyed his scenes and the when they were at the morgue and they um, the Satanist was able to uh, like reimagine the the corpse back to life to to try to attack Ed. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but for me, the, the movie hit it hit the way I wanted it to hit. It was it was what I wanted, and I wasn't happy. Like I was I was completely cool with it. I liked it. I thought it was really good for what it was. Um, I don't see them doing another Conjuring movie though, unless I, unless they give us Amityville, unless they give us an another version of Amityville, which I think will be. As much as I would want it, it's not the move because there's too many Amityvilles out there already. But I feel like if if this if this was the last Conjuring movie per se, I'd be okay with that. So what do you got, Brady? I just I totally agree with you there on that one. Uh, the way it ended just felt very like the end kind of deal. <clears throat> well, they are getting Going, older too because this is into the into the late '80s and they are getting older. 
yeah and you can't really i mean ed lived till like 2003 or something like that i think yeah and i think and lorraine just died like two years ago yeah she just recently died so uh going back to the beginning august 23rd 2006 okay going back to the beginning yeah that whole that whole thing was creepy and good um I did notice something throughout all three movies and it's very, it's interesting how they pulled it off in the way they did it. And it's very like subtle without being like taking away from anything. Mm -hmm. And that is the first movie is essentially is straight up a hundred percent face value, spooky ass haunted house movie. Mm -hmm. The second movie introduces the skepticism. The third movie is very much the grounded in reality trying to convince people that what you do is a valid thing and i think that's super smart um the third movie also takes place in the 80s and they play the whole ideal of satanic panic perfect yeah yes they do because there's like um the 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 when they go and visit the cop and talk about the dead girl that like went missing in the woods or something like that. Mm-hmm. That are like, have you ever investigated these saintness? They're, they're they're out there, man. Like that's a very much satanic panic type deal that was happening in the eighties. And like, yeah, this all this stuff started one, trending, man. Yeah, and it started in the eighties, got really big in the nineties as well. I mean, look up uh, a case called the West Memphis Three. It's literally a case entirely built on satanic panic. Because the kids were, they lived in a small Baptist town, and these kid, these three kids, happened to listen to Metallica and stuff like that. They're all, oh, they're devil worshippers, and now they they've spent eighteen years in jail because of it. Like it's stupid shit like that. Uh, I'm not saying it's like satanic, like occults and shit like that aren't real. Like, but they did a really good introduction. The interesting job introducing the idea of a satanic cult. Um, it was an interesting movie for the fact that like there isn't this big, bad, scary monster type deal going on. It is actually scarier that the big bad monster is human. Like, I I, I find that scary, and I think that's interesting. Um, there's that part towards the end of the movie right before all the tunnel scenes where Lorraine goes to the priest herself, like the ex-priest that's studied demonology and all that or whatever, right? Mm. Have you ever seen Zo- Have you ever seen Zodiac? Yeah. Did you not get straight up Zodiac when Jake Gyllenhaal's character went to go visit the guy who made the movie posters? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, no, I that think about whole, it. That whole last scene put, like, I was literally... It puts you, I, yeah, no, I, I literally about it. started shaking because I got the same vibes that I got watching Zodiac. Bit of and, like, claustrophobia and, like... Uh, down yeah, yeah, to yeah. the point of, like, the house creaks and he's like, she's here. And, like, in Zodiac, the house creaks. He's like, is, is anybody else? And he's like, you, you can go up there if you want to find out. Like, man. Oh. When they, when they first went to the house went to the pastor's house and he was like i got some stuff to show y'all and like and Lorraine's Lorraine's like, like i'm not going like, fucking down there like, i ain't going down there uh-uh like no fucking way but like when she went back there by herself and he goes down there and she's like hello 
and like goes down there she's like look for him and the motherfucker just he's sitting in the darkness and just turns a lamp on on the desk i was like i was like please be how i think you are and not please be like, a priest please be I was a like, priest i was like i was like please just because i had a vibe that he had some sort of tie to it already i didn't think he was the bad person but i felt like he had some sort of tie in a sense like he was protecting his daughter but i was like i really hope he's not that way so i'm glad he wasn't but i was like they wanted I, you to think that pretty i well. fully expected him to be like hail satan <laughs> that's what i he turned like he turned the lights on i was like all right here we go called it here we go <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean it's part of me kind of does wish they did focus a little bit more on the court aspect of it. of it yeah, yeah. because but, you know, because that's how they kind of set up this movie to be I, and I and it doesn't and it helps that it is a legit 100 percent real this is how arnie actually defended himself in real life was saying the devil made him do it right but then which, which I like, unless i missed it he never says that at any point in the movie unless i just missed it no but that's like his legit 100 real defense well, irl like, yeah i know and i kept waiting for like i thought that's how they were gonna end the movie oh yeah the devil made me do it i don't i don't think he did but you know no, they I, literally only called it that because that was the name of the case yeah okay um i was gonna say but because, then, like, if 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 they were to focus too much on the court proceedings, I feel like that would. Yeah, I feel like really upset, maybe we'd upset be the fans. Like, You'd be like, "This isn't what I wanted. Like, I don't want to see a you know a crime doc. I wanted to see horror." But I part of me is glad they did it, but part of me kind of wishes they did because yeah. I remember speaking to you personally. Like, I mean, The Conjuring Three looks okay, cashing yep. in on the true crime vibe that's going around right now. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. guess so. But I I feel like they had a good balance of what of what they did you know because we got you know we still see them working like this is another thing that like you get to see a side of them working with the police and and finding evidence instead of just being in the house like when they when they went to the other town uh when they went to danvers to uh to try to find information <laughs> and the police was like no i'm not gonna give you any information I'm like how am i supposed to believe you guys and he puts the three knives in front of her and she's just like this one I don't know if you noticed, but like as as they're talking, as you know, he lays the the blades in front of her in the evidence bags. If you look in the background, the, like the rest of the precinct the is police like, are just watching them, right? They're like they're they're kind of looking and they're just kind of like, like looking toward the like is she gonna pick the right one? But like Ed and and the officer are going back and forth, and she's just like it's this one, like. <laughs> can we move it along my favorite like, part about that one too is the fact where she where they're playing elvis which by the way i'm gonna say this right now patrick wilson needs to play elvis in a movie yes yes 100%. and you know what they're making an elvis biopic that's supposed to come out this year by baz lerman and patrick wilson is not elvis so i'm not gonna watch it oh but baz lerman was good i forget who they have playing elvis i'll have to look it up but uh but no so the <laughs> shit was hilarious where she's like they're playing elvis and she's like i met elvis once <laughs> and Alive the cop straight looks at the cop straight looks at her like oh really and she goes before and after because <laughs> <And after. laughs> you without having to say anything you knew what he was saying 
But and, and even even before that part, when they're driving along, he goes, "You know, she had a one in, a one in three chance to picking the right blade." Like he was still a little skeptical, and then that the Elvis part happened, and he was like, "All right, okay." And then she's like, "You missed the turn, by the way, where the bodies were found, where you found the bodies." And he was like, "How does she know that?" Like and he had that look, like, "How does she know that?" Because he just kind of like opens his eyes a bit wider, then he stops the car and like turns it around, like, "Okay, I gotta believe this woman because she's fucking telling tearing me apart and everything." I try to tell her, which I thought I thought that was another hilarious part. You know, in that whole car ride, because she was just schooling him. And that's like, something I liked about this movie was they put a really good balance of humor in it to break up the whole like Satan part of it. Yeah, and like we get to see Lorraine flex her flex her power a bit more, and she was like, she's totally cool with it. Like the the you know, Patrick. Yeah, and it was really Ed. cool to see that Ed was like, it's not a it's not a fucking sideshow. Like, yeah, yeah, he was like he was like quick to defend her, and she's like, no, 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 it's okay, like. So I gotta show these motherfuckers who the you know who the big bad the badasses around here to get what I need. But I, I, so it's a uh, Austin Butler playing Elvis in the Baz Luhrmann movie. Let me look this motherfucker up real quick. He was you, you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Yes. He played Tex. Oh, he played Tex. Okay. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see it. It's better than Timothy Chalamet. Just he saying. has the he has the eyes. He has the eyes for it. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, I could, eyes. I could see him playing Elvis. Although I, I I wish it was Patrick Wilson. Just saying. Yeah. Because <laughs> like they've made like three Elvis references in the Conjuring series so far, and they're all at Patrick Wilson's expense. And I'm just like, <laughs> but no. Um, and then like that scene in the jail with like the the demon singing "Call Me" by Blondie, like that completely ruined the song. Oh, for that me. was so cool though. Yeah, they're kind of reminding me of they're reminding me of like uh, like Jordan Peele taking like our like our '90s hits and like creeping them out for his movies. It gave me that vibe, and I was like, oh. But to see like yeah, the- his his like remix that he did for uh, I got five on it. Yeah, like the creepy violins <sighs> hits, on it that hits so hard, man. But um, yeah, like I I liked seeing that. And I, got, I was like, I knew that body was a. Citizen. They've always been really good about doing referential like music for the time period because you got to remember conjuring one opened with uh a joe walsh song yeah mm-hmm. and then the part two was was london different. calling yeah but then again like the like it was the late 60s if i remember correctly like almost 70s part two yeah part two was 76 okay so because that's, that's like, when amityville amityville happened they lived there 75 and all that so yeah but um like that's kind of like i think toward the end of uh well that's still like in the heyday of the beatles and, and elvis and stuff like that which for me but then, you also got early british punk going on at the time too yeah but the family was big on elvis before yeah. the father left away but <laughs> my joke was because i've always seen it like when i watch old music documentaries you were either a beatles fan or an elvis fan like you like the the fandoms for each one were so big because they were they were big you know names in the music world like you were either one or the other and to me i was like kind of blasphemous um blasphemistic that they're living in england and they're big on elvis and not not the beatles that was a funny moment in part two though where she was like when my husband left 
he took all the music and patrick wilson just like oh it'll come back she goes no he That's literally what? took all the records <laughs> that shit fucking got me i was like oh man what a guy the uh, uh but like through to, to kind of conclude on the conjuring talk and to in my thoughts on three is like it was really good and i 100 percent agree with you the fact that like they played this one that like if ed and lorraine do not make another big like solo movie i'd mm-hmm. be fine with it yeah i feel like it's and yeah, you can't like really do much after the way you did it with the third one because because um you have to now write for Patrick Wilson's character of Ed having health issues and like how much longer is that going to affect which we we get that in this one he has to have his heart complications which you know I, I will like, say the 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 ending part was really cheesy where she was like so where he was like I don't have my medicine and she's like oh it's right here <laughs> you know oh and it's yeah. it's funny because like when when they were at the when they had to call the the ambulance on him and she was like the, the EM was like, I'm about to give you one of these. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have those. I forgot them at home. And, like, Lorraine gives him that wife, like, oh, you forgot like, them? Like, that look, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I thought that was a cute little nod at the end of the movie to to have to her have one in her little locket. I thought that was real sweet. But I feel like they always the, do, they do a little... A, and that was another thing. We get to see more, like, of the romance between them in yeah. this movie. Like, it's just so those... The chemistry between those two yeah it's it's really good and you know i wouldn't say there was ever a lack of their you know of their chemistry and romance in the other two movies but we get to see a a younger side of them because they do flashbacks to when they were when they were uh, teenagers and we get to see that part of it um and that's why i, I hate feel to like... be their daughter though like goddamn live <laughs> in that house with the, all the shit and you're like right next to your room like yeah yeah imagine just <laughs> being, being asleep all of a sudden you just hear and it's attacked her three different times now. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but she was like showing up, like, "What's up, fam? I got Annabelle." <laughs> and then the nun, she's like, "Who is that, mom?" And then you got like demon lady in the house now, like, yeah, man. I, I like I said, I, I like how they did this movie. I felt like they, they touched all bases. And my thing is too, my, I was looking forward to, it, but my skepticism really ran with the director because the director did. La Riona, right? He did La Riona, and I was just like, I think it was just more of the the Hispanic in me who was like, you know, <laughs> I I grew up in La Riona, and I wanted this to to really scare me. But you know, after seeing the movie, and I was just like, yeah, it's okay. And then when they said, oh, David Chavez is it'll be the director for The Devil Made Me Do It, and I was like, I was like, come on, like what, like I don't understand why James wouldn't do this one. You know what I mean? But I, I actually thought he did a really good job. Habit, in this one. Though. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I don't understand why he does that. But I mean, I, get I can kind of understand. Stuff. Because you don't want to get burnt out doing yeah, what you love. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I was really surprised at how well this movie came out. And I was like, okay, you know, David did a good job on this one. Like, I, I was really happy with it. So. But yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Any, any last thoughts before we wrap this whole haunted house show up? I give it a nine. I give it a nine. Oh yeah, I totally give it a nine out of ten as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Uh, the first Conjuring. Give it an eight, eight and a half. Well, I still I, say the first one's the best one. I would do Conjuring one, this one, and then two. 
Exactly. But I, honestly, for me, I think because I just make jokes about part two now. So, but I've I've seen it quite <laughs> quite a handful of times. I just I make jokes all the time. Like I got a buddy named uh, Billy. So, which you you might know. I'm Bill Weathers. You, you might see his name pop up, uh, yeah. Brady, on the kayfabe stuff. Um, yeah, like when like when I saw it, I, like I messaged him because his name is Billy and the little boy's name is Billy. It's all like, oh, Bill Wilkins coming for your ass, man. Like, you better keep that shit. <laughs> Dude, my, one of my favorite fucking parts on two though was the fact that I don't know if it was Bill, but it was one of the brothers who was like, "What did Ed, Mister Lord, or um, Warren say that we if they're gonna bully us, we gotta fit each other?" And like, yeah. dude, straight walks into the kitchen, gets yeeted into the wall. It's like, oh, yeah, straight up, almost die like instantly. Like this kid was like, "We're gonna fucking do this as a fit." <laughs> Dead. My one of my favorite parts though is when they're when they're doing the the interview going back to part two with the interview and in, in the chair and wilkins you know, he comes out he's like Ed, Eddie, edward <laughs> he's like you know if you call call you edward. no he called me out like everybody else i was like i, was, I feel like he's just like this old man just trying to get something out of him <laughs> so yeah the whole the whole fact that like the um the fact that like two is a lot of a like a made up story from the information that they had available to them, mm-hmm. I do kind of wonder about the ending scene though, or not the ending scene, but the end credits, because they had the actual tape of Ed and Bill or yeah. Janet, uh-huh. and I'm like, but if they weren't there, then he wouldn't have that. So they could have gotten from somebody, maybe. Anyway, that's all I got. You guys ready to wrap this up? Yeah. I'm Cole. I'm, I'm Brady. Joe. I'm Joe. This is a short episode. Go watch The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Yes.